Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the most must-hear podcast, Big Mouth, Small Words, Sports Talk. My God, as Jim Ross would once say, by God, I am, I have a headache. My voice is gone. It must be Bruins playoff season. Is that even a thing? Season? season playoffs? I don't know. I'm hungover. And uh, it's the Bruins playoffs. When last we talked, I was nervous but confident that the Bruins would pull it out. I talked about the Celtics. I felt pretty optimistic. Said we'd win it in four or five. Things have gone well. Um, things have gone really well. We're, we're going to start it with the Bruins because we have to. As I... Recline my chair back, if you can hear it. (laughs) Man, I am hurting right now. Last night, I gotta say, first of all, shout out to the people at the TD Garden. Shout out to all the fans. The fans were loud. They were ready to go. Julian Edelman had something to do with that. I will tell you flat out. He went nuts, was waving that banner around, and people were going nuts, waving the flag, getting it going. And then later... I'm not sure what period, he's chugging a beer (laughs) like a savage. And everyone just lost their minds. He spikes the beer on the ground. Fucking hell of a moment. Also, loved the montages. I mean, the first one's great. Obviously, the opener's always great. But then they had a couple of wrestling ones in there. A little woo, Ric Flair. A little what, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I liked it a lot. Um, They had a lot of good stuff. The, The Celtics... Brad Stevens, Jalen Brown, Horford Hayward, there were a lot of guys there. They did the pump-up thing they do for the Celtics playoffs. And they showed them. The crowd went nuts. Just Boston. There's not a lot of places. You have to really... It must warm your heart being a Boston fan because there's not a lot of places that every team truly supports each other and gets after it like we do. And it's awesome to see, and it's fantastic. Now to the game. Oh, God. I mean, we, number one, we didn't come out flat, which was huge because I was terrified that would happen. Number two, I was afraid of Tuka Rask because his numbers are abysmal in game sevens. The only game sevens they really had won were fucking Toronto, which it's not like he shut the door on them. He still let up three plus goals in both of those games. So I was very nervous. And also, we can't forget the infamous flyers when we're up 3 nothing, we lose oh my god so forget about that uh anyway my number one star was the same one that got the number one star was Tuka Rask Tuka Rask shut me up I had been talking a lot of shit about Tuka I know he hadn't played horrible this series I thought he played pretty well but He needed that moment. He needed that defining game. He never got it. I mean, Jesus, Tim Thomas had at least seven of them. I needed him to have a game in a big moment that could make me feel like he could do it again sometime down the line, and this was it. Don't get me wrong. The guys played in front of him for a good amount of the game, but there were times where he was getting peppered, and they got Toronto got great opportunities, and they could not put the puck past him. I mean... The one goal he let up, what are you going to do? It, it just it was, it just happens. Like, 
they, they were in there. They were in the zone. We couldn't clear the puck out. I believe it was crew couldn't clear the puck out. And they got a great chance, and they capitalized, and they scored. But he robbed Austin Matthews on a few. He robbed a lot of guys on, on a lot of shots. And I really, really, really was impressed with Tuca. Makes me feel a lot better about the series coming up. And I just, man, like the, the greatest part about Game 7 and the greatest part about us winning which I haven't even four minutes and I haven't said we, we won five to one. <laughs> uh, you already know that, but we won five to one. And it's just, it's the way that we won that was so amazing and impressive because Nordstrom with just a crappy, he just rips a shot and somehow it, it flutters in. And that's what you got to do against a guy like Anderson. He had stepped up big time for them in the last few games, but he, he going into Game 7, he's 0-3 in Game 7s. He would let up an average of like four goals a game. So I'm saying just put shots on net. They don't have to be great. And the first two weren't great. Nordstrom just willed it in, and Johansson just put it on net, and it went in. I mean, he Anderson, he just, listen, he crapped his pants. But Tuca could have crapped his pants too, and he didn't. So once again, give him credit. Anderson just didn't have it that night. We were putting pucks on net. We were physical. Um, man, it was it was something to see. It was fantastic. I have to give a a decently big shout out to David Krejci. I feel like he's super underappreciated. I feel like people don't really think he's. Amazing. I think they always look at him and go, yeah, he's okay. No, dude, he makes the offense work. Just even being in the balcony and watching everything that's going on, he, every time that dude gets the puck, everybody has a couple of bad shifts. But 85% of the time when he has the puck, like all these other guys, these defensemen, crew, Grizzlick, uh, I could name a million, Achari, like all these guys. They, they're in the defensive zone and they're nervous. They get the puck and they're like, oh, God, I got to put up the boards. Carlo puts up the boards and they Toronto snags it and gets an extra opportunity. There's so many times that happens. Krejci gets it. He could have three guys around him and he'll just shift the puck like three inches to the right, just out of reach. Just like when you're trying to pet a cat and it just moves out of the way ever so gently and you miss it. That's how Krejci fucking works he just moves out of the way a little slightly there's no pressure he just gets the puck where it needs to be puts a little sauce on it and people get goals it's fantastic he's supremely underrated i think he had a great series i think he was arguably the most consistent person i would say coil was before but he had a couple no-shows so crazy i think i think crazy was the key to the series personally that's what i think um the person I thought had the worst series for the Bruins was Pasternak. I am waiting for you to not... I don't know what's going on with you. I know you got drunk and fell out of the Uber and you hurt your hand. And maybe you're still drunk. I don't know. Because at times it looks that way. I don't know if he's chewing his head and he's thinking of what needs to happen before it actually happens and he just trips over himself. I don't get it because there's a, he's not making great passes. He's not taking great shots. And, and by the way, he's not taking shots. He's looking to others. And listen, man, Pasta, you're a finisher. You finish it. You get goals. You don't pass. If you get a chance to rip a shot, rip the freaking shot. 
Don't look around. Don't try to make the dangle little pass. I mean, I know sometimes you got Marshy over there and he's just as good, but rip the shots, please. Rip the shots. Get it going. Uh, I feel like he'll be a lot better in this next series. He just had one bad series. Um, Listen, we did a lot of things bad in that series. We didn't play amazing defense. Bergeron was... A, a slight bit of a no-show. He game six is game six and seven. He actually started getting some good face-offs and he was getting it going there. So that's good. But going forward, I'm hoping he's not super injured. I feel like he is, and I would hate that if he is. But going into this Columbus series, how can you not feel good? I a lot of people are pissed off. They think that our game tomorrow is it? Yeah, tomorrow. We're getting right back at it. I almost think that's an advantage to us. People think, oh, we don't have enough rest. Listen, the one game we beat Tampa Bay, right, last year was they were rusty. They had waited for us. We went through seven games with Toronto, almost the exact same thing. So I think the same thing's going to happen here, except we're at home now. I see the fans being rowdy as ever. They're ready to go. I see Columbus getting a little shell-shocked, losing this game probably by a good amount. And, you know, they'll fight back, but they haven't had any adversity in this playoffs yet. They swept the lightning. They're not even going to come close to doing that to us. We're too gritty. We've got too much experience, and we're just going to make it hard on them. I see us winning in five or six. I think five, but could go six. I don't see another seven-game series. I don't think Columbus has that in them. I think that they're a team that has a lot of quit. You just got to give them a reason to. So that's that's how I feel. I also feel like watching the way Tuka's played, I mean, Bobrovsky is fantastic and he is crushing it, but I'm thinking Tuka's going to get the job done. I'm thinking the, the players are going to step up. I'm seeing the Bruins win in five or six. That's that. Now, on to the Celtics. They did a damn good job. I got to give the Celtics credit. A lot of people are just writing them off and saying, well, they beat the Pacers without Oladipo. They were without their best player, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all right, I get that. That's all true. That's all fair. Absolutely. But here's the thing. You have to give them a little bit of credit because they swept them. In the second game at home, we were blowing it. Kyrie scores... 37 points, we win the game. Was every game perfect? No, we got a lot of turnovers. We screwed up a lot. But for right now, you kind of got to give Kyrie the benefit of the doubt because he said when the playoffs come, seeding doesn't matter and we're going to step up and we're going to make it happen. I mean, he's 4-0. Won four games, swept the team. He's still a prima donna. I still don't like him outside of the fucking... Outside of playing basketball... Don't like him. Wouldn't hang out with him. But while he's playing, let's go fucking Kyrie. (laughs) Let's go Celtics. I personally believe that Hayward, when Hayward is running the offense with the ball, I think that he is the best one to run the offense. I think that it goes Hayward, Horford, and then Kyrie. Because with Horford, you know what you're getting. With Hayward, he can be a little tricky at times. But for the most part, you know what you're getting there too. Kyrie, I don't even think Kyrie knows what he's going to do every time he comes up the floor. He's not a good facilitator. He's an iso ball guy. He likes to 
just create offense for himself. And yeah, he can kick out a pass and he can make a beautiful pass. Don't get me wrong. It's just not consistent enough for me. I think Hayward and Horford are more consistent. I'd like moving forward for them to be running the offense. And I think Kyrie is 100% better when he's coming off the ball. Like, instead of running the offense, I feel like Hayward making a pass here or there and running the offense, and then Kyrie comes off a screen, and then he can just jump up, bang, hit that little fade shot. So, obviously, we're playing Milwaukee. Great freak. They have the best player, but, Jesus, I look at their lineup. I mean, Bledsoe, who cares? Um, I don't know. I, I look at their team, and I think they're pretty good. But they're beatable. I, I, I don't want to hear anything about smart. By the way, I don't want to hear people going, "Oh God, we don't got smart." So, blah, blah, blah. who cares? Like honestly, that doesn't matter at all. We've got plenty of talent. We've got plenty of guys to get it going. So to me, the Celtics. I mean, it'll probably just go seven, just because the NBA wants it to. But I see the Celtics winning that series. They should anyway. If they don't, it's a pretty massive disappointment in my eyes. But like I said, Kyrie's 4-0. I think he'll get it done. I think the Celtics are going to put their money where their mouth is and get it going. That's my Celtics thought. The NFL draft is so close. I can taste it. I can taste it. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I... I'm going to give you a little tiny bit of a hot take here. I could be wrong because somebody could trade up. But the top five teams, one, two, three, four, five, where they are, not if someone trades up, where they are, none of them are going to take a quarterback. That's what I think. That's my hot take. That's big mouth, small words, hot take. You can take that to the bank. And if I'm wrong, fuck off. I didn't mean to be. That's what I think. That's what I'm going with. Let's fucking go. That's it. (laughs) Okay. So if somebody trades up, the Redskins are looking to trade up. I don't know. Maybe the Redskins trade up. Maybe somebody trades up. But those five teams that sit atop there now, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that no one, I think there's too many explosive defensive people. Speaking of that, just to give a quick Bengals thought, because I have to. Number 11 pick, a lot of people are saying the Bengals are going Haskin. They're going uh, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. They're saying, oh, they're going to get this guy, that guy. No, they're not. No, they're not. Everyone thinks the Bengals are so far away from being a contender, so far away from making the playoffs. They're fine. They just need linebacker help, which is what I've been saying this entire time. So, to me, there's two options. Dose options for you in the first round, Bengals. You took a swing on John Ross. You missed. I like John Ross. I think he has a lot of potential. But a fact is a fact. He didn't step up. He has not been good enough. Will he this year? I don't know. I hope he does. But as of the moment, listen, we drafted him a few years ago. He, when you have a top 10 pick, you have to nail the top 10 pick. You have to hit on that. You didn't. This time, <clears throat> you've got the number 11 pick. You have to hit on it. So you've got to go with a guy that you believe. Listen, don't go for the high risk 
with the reward. Don't don't go high risk, okay? Devin Bush, great linebacker, B plus player, could be an A. We don't know, but he ain't a C. So go with the B plus player. Go with the guy you know that's going to start at linebacker and make an impact right now. Get that guy, okay? And if you're not going to get him, you better freaking get Ed Oliver, okay? A lot of people have been saying, Ed Oliver, oh, he's got little arms. I don't give a shit. Give me that T-Rex looking motherfucker because he's explosive. He's something that a lot of guys aren't, and he has the it factor. Ed Oliver, like that pick. I'd take Ed Oliver in a heartbeat. I'd take Devin Bush in a heartbeat. One of those two is going to be on the Bengals. You can mark it. Mark my words. You can also take that to the bank, okay? I'm fired up. Bruins. Second round playoffs. Celtics. Second round playoffs. The draft tomorrow. Avengers is this weekend. Game of Thrones is is there's gonna be a huge battle, okay? And you know what? You know what? I know I'm all about the sports here, and I absolutely are gonna give you a lot of sports. But I might also give you a little Game of Thrones. I might give you a little, a little inkling of a Game of Thrones. And you know what? I'm going to drop a little knowledge on you right now. I think Littlefinger's still alive. Yeah. 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 Sansa. Sansa, I loved your mother. <laughs> I really do. I think Littlefinger's alive because he was the smartest motherfucker in Game of Thrones. No one could outsmart him. And the way he died, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't think he's dead. I think that he saw some lady, season seven, episode five. You can go back to it if you want to, about halfway through the episode. Arya's spying on him. He sees this old lady that we never saw before, we never saw again. Game of Thrones doesn't play that game, okay? They don't play the game of everything means something. And that happened, he gave her a coin. Looked like a Bravos coin. Looked like the coin that Arya gave to get in. To get in to there to become a faceless chick, okay? Or faceless woman, I'm sorry. She had a sex scene, so she's a woman now. And all of a sudden, she said, your time is up to Littlefinger. Littlefinger maybe paid her off. I don't think that was the person. I don't think Littlefinger died. I think he's alive. Don't take that to the bank. (laughs) But it's a theory. I've got plenty more, man. (laughs) My God, I'm coughing. There's just too much going on. Game of Thrones, NFL Drafts, Bruins Playoffs, Celtics Playoffs. Everything's great. I'm in the Vikings Lounge. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm sorry about the voice. I was the big scary man guy last night. It was crazy. Shout out to LFG Sports. They're pretty cool. Interviewed me. Shout out to NBC for getting some people out there. Shout out to 985 The Sports Hub for always getting it going. And shout out to the fans. I love everybody. Thank you for listening. As I said when I first started this podcast last year, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Glad that you guys are listening. Glad that we're getting it going. So thank you once again for listening to Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. I will hit you up soon. You'll be getting a lot more of me in the upcoming days. Love you.